welcome back to the Fashion Cupboard podcast. When I first came up with the idea to start a podcast all about the fashion industry, there were a few people that immediately sprung to mind who I would have loved to have spoken to for this podcast. Sari Stemp was absolutely one of them. I first met Sari in my first ever fashion internship. She was, and always has been since, just such an inspiration to me as to how you can kind of be such a great, cool person in the industry and still remain so kind and so grounded. Her advice has always remained relevant to me, regardless of the stage in my career, and I hope that it's super helpful for you too. So I'm not going to blabber on much more, and I'm going to let you hear it firsthand for yourself. So introducing Sari. Hi, Sari. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm fine, fine. Just a bit frustrated with lockdown at the moment. Well done on the podcast. Brilliant idea. Oh, thank you so much. And do you know what? It's so funny because I think when I was looking to kind of build this podcast, there were a few people who automatically came to my mind that I would really love to speak to. And you were obviously one of them um, because you've definitely been a huge kind of inspiration in my journey to me and I think that's because it was my first internship at Cosmo and I felt like you really kind of took me um, under your wing and really kind of helped me build confidence when it came to being on a shoot and obviously we can discuss later on like Fash Fest and that whole experience but to start um, how did you start working in the fashion industry and did you ever work in a fashion cupboard? Well, just quickly, just to recap, you, you, you know, you stood out because you were brilliant. And, you know, I know we had some fun times together. And, um, and also, I know it wasn't easy for you, you know, when you left and you want to kind of start out on your own. But we've always kept in touch. And it's always, it was always nice to see you in the office as well, you know, when you came into work at um, Women's Health. So it was always a pleasure to see you. Um, but for your first question, um, how did I start working in the fashion industry? I, I just started off as most people do doing work experience. And I actually wanted to get into the beauty department first. So I wrote round to all the beauty um, editors to get work experience and, and Elle called me in, um, but they didn't need anyone in the beauty department. So I just helped on the kind of fashion features team. And that, that sort of, I was very lucky and that, that led me to my first job. Um, I didn't actually work in the fashion cupboard. I was more doing more administrative work. So basically in those days, Elle had like five different fashion stories. Now you open the magazine, there might be one or two, but we used to have five every month. So it was an awful lot of product. And my job was to get all the prices for every single item that was featured. So I had to be kind of super careful. I didn't make mistakes and all the prices were correct. Um, so I did more that side of it rather than the kind of incoming product and returns. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so funny because I think everyone has such like different journeys as to how they first started. And like for me, it was kind of similar. I didn't expect to work in the fashion department. I thought my internship would be in features. And then obviously once the ball started rolling and I started helping with fashion, I was like, I never want to leave. <laughs> this is the best place ever. You did some work with the features team as well, didn't you? You did the Christmas gift guide and all sorts. Uh, that was a great experience as well, getting to compile the gift guide because that was my first ever experience of, you know, calling in high res imagery for a magazine and actually editing pages. 
Um, and that was so brilliant. Yeah. So I loved that. I really just loved that whole experience. It was so fantastic. But kind of going back to, obviously, I was like assisting um, at that point and I actually spoke to Sarah Rose Harrison last week and she told me that she had had a very similar experience yeah. to me with you at Cosmo and how she like loved to sing oh. you. <laughs> we were just saying how like singing your praises being oh. like we both love Sarah. But oh, no. well, I, I, really tried, I really tried to help both of you because you both stood out and, and that's the thing when you are assisting what makes you stand out is is your positive attitude and you were you were both really always happy to help and to be proactive and you didn't mind what you did and that was kind of like like me when i started off as well i would do anything and and if you show a genuine interest and a genuine passion with what you're doing you know whoever you're assisting or whoever you're working around they're going to realize that and and you will stand out because a lot of people do come in and do internships or work experience and maybe don't feel that passion or don't feel that kind of drive. So when you do, it really stands out. And I think, you know, that's the one thing to remember, just being practical and being helpful. Yeah, definitely. I actually remember once, like, there was, for some reason, an afternoon where there wasn't much going on at Cosmo. So I just decided to clean the fashion cupboard and it was just, you know, just organizing. <laughs> and, and I remember you came in and you were like, oh, Emma, like, did you clean the whole fashion cupboard? And I was like, well, you know, I needed something <laughs> to do. <laughs> and but I just remember you being like to me, and I think that was a lesson you taught me quite early on was like, how important it is to be proactive and just to take something upon yourself. Yeah. But you yes, definitely. My next question because my next question was going to be, how does someone stand out as an assistant? So would you say it's just being yeah. proactive? Exactly. And then just thinking about what your role is and then trying to kind of foresee, foresee problems before they arrive. And, it, it, you know, with shoots, as you know, it, it's not that glamorous. It's about we have to get all that product in and get it to the right place on time. And it's about all those logistics, you know, have pe people that pro have promised you things, have they sent it? So if you can kind of take it upon yourself to kind of chase things up, if they're not there, it's just about being practical. And then sort of like logistics, like getting things down to in and out the buildings and in and out of couriers and getting them from A to B in the right time frame. Um, it's not rocket science, but it's practical things that if you don't, it can lead to, you know, the shoot being delayed or all sorts of problems. So it's just kind of foreseeing and dealing with problems before they become bigger. Yeah, definitely. Another kind of memory that comes to mind was that day that I helped with, it was Maddie assisting and you and I, and we did that. It was before Fash Fest that shoot with like 20 models and like that whole lookbook had like a hundred different looks and I remember standing there with the yeah. jewelry like putting making sure every model took off like every earring and that nothing went missing oh my goodness yeah yes yeah it's all those things it's like so you don't lose jewelry and tiny little things that can get lost yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right we had to, to shoot an awful lot <laughs> <laughs> such a it was you know what though it was like looking back at, at that experience and I do so fondly it was just such a fun crazy time it just it was such a great experience for me it was yeah just like such a great lesson to learn it, it was a bit out of 
there as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no one else was doing it. We, we, it was just us doing this massive big fashion show and we were just kind of left to it really, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, I as well, I was talking to Sarah last week about when we went to Westfield and how like, because we were talking about how, you know, as an intern or assistant, sometimes you can be like taken advantage of and you should know, you know, when to stop or when to leave. And I was saying how, when we were doing yeah. best prep, we were in Westfield Stratford and it was getting later and later. And you kept saying to me like, Emma, go home, Emma, go home. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving yet. You know, yeah. We'll finish it together because I was so kind of keen and excited. But I just remember you being like, Emma, yeah. you go. You kept being like, Emma, it's fine. And I was like, no, not leaving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, on that that's, note, that's the thing. We don't do, it's not a nice job is it not at all and that's actually something I discussed with Gemma Hayward it's like you know sometimes you can be on a shoot and you're meant to finish at seven but actually it's or six but actually you know at 5 30 you've still got six looks to shoot and you know you're not going to be done by six and you can't leave it's just how it is but I mean yeah on that, on that note you know what would you say kind of is the most challenging part of your job, of your role as a stylist, or just in general in the past, what the most challenging kind of aspect has been? I think one of the biggest challenges is <clears throat> deadlines, working to deadlines, because uh, on a magazine, you're always working on a deadline, whether you're working on a weekly, um, a monthly, you've always got um, stories to, f to fulfill, and you've got to get all the assets in, the copy in, make sure all the corrections are done, so you're constantly on this treadmill of a deadline and, and also being a freelance stylist as well, that, that deadlines are even more important because with a shoot, a lot of the time a client will want information from you, whether that's mood boards or ideas or a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth. And so you've got to be ready and available to give them that information when they want it. So it's, it's about being on your toes, but also being adaptable and just kind of just working to a really tight time frame. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think as well when you're freelance even more so, and I'm not sure like kind of what your view is on this, but you're your own brand when you're freelance. So it's almost even more important that you, you know, meet the deadlines and you're super efficient and organized because at the end of the day, you know, it's just like you are your own brand, like I said. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to represent yourself. And so you don't want to, you don't want to let yourself down. Um, and even though, you know, clients can be very demanding and demanding of your time, you just, you just want to do the best job that you can. Yeah, definitely. And also just another thing that I've discussed in the past on, on the podcast is that it can sometimes be quite lonely being freelance because a lot of the time, you know, you're, you might work with the same few teams or you might work on the same projects and it's always really nice when you work with familiar faces but a lot of the time you know it is just you and maybe your assistant and you kind of have to make those decisions without potentially having the backup of being able to turn to someone at the office and being like what do you think of this or what do you think of that you just have to kind of make it work on your own which I think can be quite tough definitely yeah, that, that, that does pose a lot of challenges, actually. And sometimes if you've got maybe got a client that's being difficult or demanding, you kind of feel you don't know where to turn and all the pressure is on you. And, you, you, you know, you've got to kind of find this clothing that 
you don't know where to find or you know all sorts of things but but actually it always it always works out in the end (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and I think as long as you can kind of take a challenge and be well proactive again I guess about what you're what you're searching for or what you're looking for or what you're calling in and also I think like constant communication with like a client is obviously really important too and just being open about everything really and I think that does stem from you know being an assistant or being in a more junior role and having to constantly communicate yeah absolutely um kind of coming back to the crazy world of fashion obviously we are now meant to be midway through London Fashion Week or London Fashion Week is just about to start uh, pre-COVID times. This is normally the week that it happens. Do you remember your first ever show or your first ever kind of London Fashion Week experience and what that was like? I do actually. I was, I think I was still doing work experience and, and my fashion director at the time, Ian R. Webb, had given me like a couple of tickets and I thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And he'd give me a ticket to sort of like an off the wall designer. I can't even remember who it was. Yeah. And it was a show in Soho and we all sat on tiny wooden benches. And, um, and I remember it just being an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that that designer has probably died a death like decades ago. But, you know, I remember they, <laughs> we all got a little Mac lipstick. They had little Mac lipsticks as gifts for yeah. the attendees. And I thought that was the thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That, do you know what? It's, I always find them such unique experiences and like the kind of interaction between the audience and the show. Like I remember, I think it was Theodore Golan, maybe last, last February, had like little troll dolls all along like the seat. Yes. And and they were like, you can take the troll dolls home. And I was so excited yeah. to take this like little troll doll. Yeah, but also it brings out the worst in people. It yeah. brings out the worst in people that some people are like fighting to get them or, or, or like stealing other people's. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, has there been a show like in the past that you've seen that has like really either like touched you or just been like, you've kind of left and you've been like in awe of the show? Yeah, I, I think whenever I've been to a fashion show in Paris, it always makes me feel like that. I mean, Paris really, it's a whole different experience going to a show there. It, it, it's really hard to put your finger on, but just the atmosphere, the scale of it, the models are amazing, the whole production. And, you know, I was lucky enough to see um, one of the Karl Lagerfeld Chanel shows at the Palais Royal. And which is just an incredible place. It's just this glass filled building. But he it was when there was he built like a rocket launcher. He had this like rocket launch pad at the end of the show. I remember that. Um but just seeing a show there, yeah, it's it's incredible. And it really does put it on into a different scale. Um and they really know how to do shows in Paris. I don't know about you, but I think Sometimes when I see a show that really moves me, like there was a Richard Quinn show a couple of uh, years ago that I thought was phenomenal. I think all his shows are phenomenal, but remember it really kind of touching me. And then I left and I was like, okay, this is why I want to work in this industry. Like it kind of reignites that love of seeing a show or like seeing the clothes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's where we get our inspiration from, you know, and I know a lot of designers now are choosing to show kind of, 
off schedule or just not show during London Fashion Week at all because they're reacting more to kind of, um, you know, see now, buy now. But, you know, fashion shows are still really important and to see for us to see their, their new collections and presentations, it's, it's, I still find it inspiring. And it, it is also, I think, quite interesting when you see a show and then a few months later you see kind of like almost imitations of those clothes. Not that I think this is a good thing, but like you see it all over the high street. Like you see one trend that's followed, it's kind of filtered its way all the way down to all like a high street level. And you're like, oh, I remember seeing that, you know, sweatshirt or whatever it might have been. Yes, you can often see those things at the time, can't you? I remember when... Um... Hedy Slimane just first took over um, at Celine and I thought oh my goodness all those kind of 70s inspired pieces that the high street is going to be knocking them off as soon as they can. Literally a hundred percent and like the shoulder pads and like that whole kind of there's such a revival of it shortly afterwards definitely. I always feel like super inspired after leaving a show. Speaking of kind of styling and being inspired by different shows if you could kind of pick out some key items as a stylist that you think everyone should have in their wardrobe, what would they be? I think definitely a great trench coat, um, you know, sort of thinking of that sort of Parisian style, the way that, that women dress there, you, you know, a great trench coat will, will never date, It'll never date. Um, you know, that's why people go mad when they're trying to find sort of Burberry in secondhand shops. It's just, it's just such a classic thing, which will always look good. Um, and then great fitting jeans, you know, whether you like stretch or not stretch, just a really good, well-fitting pair of jeans. You just want to wear again and again. You, I think people, you, you'll always have your favorites. Um, and then a, a great jacket or a, t a great sort of tailored jacket, like a blazer or, um, just a, a really good, even like a really good leather jacket. Again, yeah. that's a kind of a really tiny piece. Um, a brilliant little black dress, you know, for sometimes you just don't have much notice when you maybe you have to, to be somewhere or go somewhere. If you've just got like a fail safe little black dress, you know, you, you'll always look good. Yeah. A go anywhere kind of crossbody handbag, you know, a great sort of leather handbag that, that won't date. Yeah, for sure. I think those pieces, you can all like make a capsule wardrobe from them. Yeah, definitely. Also, those sorts of pieces, like they don't date, they don't age. You can literally keep them. Like my mum used to have this really cool leather jacket and she never threw it away. And now I wear it and I love that it's kind of, like, it's from her. Yeah. And it just never, never, never dated, never aged. And that makes it even better when there's a story behind it as well. Yeah, 100%. I think it's so much nicer when you can um, can wear clothes that have some kind of context behind them or jewellery, like just a bit of a story, a bit of something. Absolutely. Also, I mean, like going back to that kind of Parisian style, that's such a moment in itself when you see like, when you see like, I remember a while ago I was on the tube and I saw this woman and she was just so impeccably dressed from like head to toe and I could just tell that she was French and she got off the tube and she started speaking in French and she just looked yeah. so chic. Like that whole kind of, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's because they kind of know what to get tailored or how to, it's just a way that they kind of, maybe it's their confidence too. I think, yeah, I, I agree with that. And it, it, it's, 
they're, they're not fashionable pieces, but they're classic pieces. I think it's, it's about working with the classics and, and also shoes. Shoes are so important, you know, just a, a shoe that's not going to date, um, that always looks stylish. Yeah, definitely. I always say like a common expression that people look at your shoes first. And, and truthfully, I do. I, I tend to look at people's shoes all the time without even realising. I really do think they tell so much about someone. Yeah, definitely. Reverting back a little bit to what we were speaking about before in terms of an assistant or an intern um, or, I mean, kind of across the board, what would you say is like the most essential skill or like some knowledge that someone in the industry should have? So whether it's kind of attitude or anything like that, what's what's the most important skill for someone to have in the industry? Um, I definitely say being adaptable because things will things will always change and and it's about having an adaptable and a positive attitude so that you know if you are faced with challenges you you can you can deal with it if you're if you're too rigid about things I just don't think I think it just creates more problems and I'll give you an example it's just like when I was in a lot of the time I would hear conversations in the background with editors demanding things from assistants. For example, it could be that they wanted like look number 20 from Prada and you know, that was on a, a lookbook shoe or it was being shot for the campaign and they were adamant they needed that look, that look. And so this poor assistant would be like tearing their hair out because yeah. they couldn't get that look. At the end of the day, it's about being adaptable. If you can get another look from the collection, great. You know, and that might even end up being better. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, thinking round things and thinking round problems. And, and if something isn't going your way, there will always be a way round it. And I think also being communicative is very important. So if there is a problem, try and talk it through. Or, you know, if someone, you know, you're not getting the response that you need from someone, Maybe think about why or maybe the problems that they're facing. So it's not, you know, there's always a bigger picture. Yeah. So, um, and also just to be nice, you know, we, we work in an industry where it, it's very pressured and people get fractious and people can get aggressive, but it doesn't cost anything to be nice. And I think, you know, that's always important as well. Definitely. And, um, kind of going back to my conversation with Sarah last week and something that we both said about you was that you've always just been so kind and I think that's something that really shocked me when not that I didn't expect you to be but just something that shocked me coming into the industry was that like you can actually be really great stylist a really great editor and you can also be really kind because it doesn't cost anything to just be kind to people Oh, that's lovely to hear. Thank you, Emma. And thanks to Sarah as well. But, you, you know, it's for a reason. It's because, you, you know, you were good and you showed initiative and you showed an interest, a genuine interest. And so I would always do my help, my best to help you. But you, ha you definitely have ever since. I mean, like you said, we've always kind of kept in touch and I always kind of would come to you with advice about anything, really. Um, and you would always give me your advice. So it's... <laughs> It's just always been very appreciated. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I mean, 
kind of on that note um, of inspiring people, has there been anyone in the industry since you started that you've kind of either like looked up to or just had a great relationship with who you can go to for advice or? Yeah, I think I do. I th- I, I, I'm quite inspired by photographers actually. And um, I obviously I've never met her, but I mean, actually there's so many photographers I, I get inspired by even just, just, looking at their work but Ellen Von Unworth I find really inspiring I just love looking at her pictures because they're so bright and so colorful um but I also work with a photographer called Tony Kelly and he's based in he's an he's actually Irish but he he bases himself in um Los Angeles and Miami and he's kind of got a similar kind of attitude to his work it's very bright it's very colorful it's a bit tongue in cheek. It's a bit naughty in some respects, but I think he's definitely got kind of his own attitude. And I think when you have your own fingerprint and your own DNA in your work, when someone can look at a picture and know that you've taken that photograph, yeah. I think that's really, really important. <laughs> and I think the same can be said for, for stylists as well. Sometimes if you, you know, if you're looking through a magazine, you're familiar with the editors or you're familiar with the, the stylists that work on it you can you can start to identify their work yeah and i think that's a really important important aspect that you can define your own style and so i think i get inspired by other people's work i've i've not really had a mentor like you say but i think i think when you work around other people you can kind of pick things up from them as you go yeah i did i did work with um a couple who are based in LA and so it's a photographer called Neil Kirk and a stylist called Vivian Palmer and so they did they did a lot of shoots together when I was at Elle and I loved their work and I started assisting them and I learned an awful lot I learned everything really from from them and working with them and sort of like just how they would put a shoot together and you know when things went wrong or or if the photographer wasn't liking something there was a reason behind it and so that gave me a lot of knowledge as well so I think you can really learn things from other people it's it's just invaluable and it's a bit like the way photographers assistants learn because they're they're working with their photographer and they're setting up all the lighting and then they, they understand how it works and then they can take that knowledge and, and use that to their own advantage as well. It's a bit like, you know, stylists and people assisting like yourself. You've, I'm sure you've assisted stylists and, and learned things from different people. And I think that's always inspiring as well. I mean, sometimes you might work with people and can't bear them and just yeah. find it, find them really annoying. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, if you have a positive experience yeah. it stays with you definitely and I think we can always learn a hundred percent I completely agree and I also think there's something to be said for the negative experiences like I've had some negative experiences since I've been freelance and what I've taken away from those experiences is how I wouldn't want to treat someone who was assisting me or taking away kind of parts of whatever that experience was so maybe it was down to organization or like you said like a look not showing up and kind of rerunning that in my head and thinking how I could deal with that better if it happened again or how I would kind of deal with that but yeah I think it's so great to be able to like you said you know look at someone's work and be like 
oh, I know that's Sari, or like, oh, I know it's this photographer, and I know because I can see their style. Yeah, that's re that's really valuable. And what you said as well is 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 when things go wrong, is being able to learn from that. And I, I'm totally with you on on because that is always at the back of my mind. I treat other people how I would like to be treated, and you know, don't forget there there are a lot of egos in this business, and a lot of people think that you know, if they shout loudest or their voice is louder than yours, they know more or they're more important. And often it's not the case. Often, you know, some of the, some of the greatest photographers I've worked with have been really humble and really quiet and just really unassuming without a big ego. And it's the same with the celebrities as well. Often the biggest celebrities are, are polite, nice to deal with. And it's often... The people that are kind of are more brash and you know say look at me that are kind of the more talentless definitely I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that I think as well it's so telling when like, I had a job the really big celebrity and she herself was absolutely incredible and her team didn't get on too well with the stylist and um the stylist ended up, I would say, kind of taking it out on me. And I just remember, like, the whole job was so much more stressful than it should have been because it never needed to be as intense as it was. Unfortunately, they do happen in the creative industry. And, and it's something that I try to avoid. And, and the thing is, it, we're dealing with creative, a creative idea. You have to find a way of working through it. That's part of being in a creative process. You've got to work through it. You know, sometimes, sometimes things are challenging and they don't go well. But it's like what I was saying earlier. You have to be adaptable. You've got to find a way around it. You know, having done so many kind of celebrity cover shoots, you learn to try and find a route where you're not coming up against these confrontations because it only makes the day longer, more complicated, more stressful. Yeah. And so you kind of have to preempt those problems you're going along. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, like there's no harm in having extra options if just to cover yourself, just in case something doesn't look right or isn't going as well as you thought, just to be able to kind of pull out another option and be like, okay, but I have this or like I can do this. Um, but yeah, like, like you said earlier, I guess that comes back to being adaptable into a, in a situation. Kind of taking that into account, what advice would you give to someone uh, wanting to either break into the industry or someone that is already in the industry wanting to become a stylist or, yeah, kind of build, build up, I would say? I think you've just got to persevere because it's such a competitive industry. And I think with social media now, there's so many more people. It's, it's such a crowded marketplace, isn't it? There's so many yeah. people wanting to be stylists or wanting to be a creative or thinking they are a creative, but not really understanding the industry. Get to know and understand the industry. Um, I mean, talk to all sorts of people, you know, talk to PRs and talk to assistants because often they know more because they're on the, the, the sharp end of it. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, always baffled, it always baffled me on magazines for editors who just never spoke to PRs or only their friends that were PRs. They would leave all the kind of day-to-day -day back and forth to the assistants. But actually, that's the most important part. Yeah. Calling in your own clothes, you know, talking to the PRs and knowing what's new and what, knowing what's there and knowing what's available. It, it's you've got to have that hands-on experience so I think yeah. you know just get involved as much as you possibly can 
and yes it is a competitive industry and I, and I think trying to keep a, a positive attitude as well because certainly from being, being freelance you kind of feel that you're knocking on a lot of doors and nobody's responding to you yeah. and it can be really demoralizing you think you've got a good relationship with someone and then you email them and then they just don't reply and they don't reply and they don't reply and i think in in hindsight i think it's because it's not you personally it's just because maybe they're busy or they've yeah. got other deadlines or they've got something else to to work on and and you you don't you're not on their radar because they're pursuing other projects and sometimes you just have to accept that and move on yeah definitely I guess as well like you just said you know not to take rejection personally and just to kind of take it on the chin and and keep trying because you know if you don't knock then no doors are going to open there's no harm in in trying I also totally agree with what you said before about as an editor you know kind of the assistants have the brunt of that kind of dealing with call-ins or, or whatever it is I also was really shocked when I was an assistant, that brands never really tended to care too much, certain brands, about making those relationships with the assistants. Or when it came to shows, you know, not extending invites to assistants. Because I I often thought, you know, if if we're the ones doing all of the call-ins, surely we should be the ones going and seeing the clothes in person. But I think that's something inherent in the fashion industry, I'd say. Yeah, there is that element of it being very hierarchical and, and you, you have to know your pecking order and your place in the industry. And, and actually, that's just a, it's an outdated vision as far as I'm concerned. It is people that hold on to those values are, are dated and it's not relevant. You know, it, it's about getting the job done at the end of the day. And if you want to think you, you've got a position because of your title but you're not willing to put the work in. It, it's, unfortunately, I don't think you'll get away from that. It's part of the industry. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. you, you know, it would be nice for, you know, a lot more assistants to be kind of, even have a standing ticket for something because you Definitely. just then can, can absorb the atmosphere of the show and understand what it's all about because after all you're the one that's calling it in also just being like able to be in that atmosphere and to network and to just I still remember the shows that I was invited to when I was like a year-long intern and the relationships that I have with those PRs from that time even now you know we've built such brilliant relationships because they kind of took it they took it into consideration when they were doing either invites or press evenings or, or whatever it might have been. But it is funny because I think those brands that kind of take that into account early on tend to be the ones that grow with people. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, on a final note, on a happy note, what has been the highlight of your career so far? I think one of the most memorable things I did was um, going to Los Angeles to shoot Zoe Saldana for a cover shoot. And it was, it was just such a privilege to work with her because, you know, she's, she's massive, but, you, you know, she was very polite and we, we only had like a couple of hours. The day was, was really curtailed for us because we had to share the shoot time with um, American Cosmo and American Women's Health, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of shoved into the corner of this location house, but had to be sort of super quick and do the edit and the fitting like really quickly. But it all worked out brilliantly. And, you know, she was so lovely to work with. And I think, you know, going thinking back, not so far, 
not so long ago we were able to travel and and you know now all that sounds feels like a million miles away so I kind of cherish those memories now I completely agree being able just to get on a plane now would feel like the best feeling in the world but yeah thank you so 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 much Sari um for being part of the podcast it's been so nice to catch up with you um and hopefully I'll actually get to see you in person soon Oh, thank you so much, Emma. It's been lovely to chat to you and lovely to sort of relive some of those memories of our, our time working together as well. And, I, and I'm so proud of what you've done and what you've achieved. And I hope you're happy and continue to, you know, to, to continue in your chosen path. huge thank you again to Sari for being part of this week's podcast it was so great catching up with her and hearing about things like the Chanel show in Paris and who's inspired her because she absolutely has inspired me through my career so as always Sari thank you for your stellar advice and just really important words as always we'll be announcing on our Instagram this week who our upcoming guest is so make sure you're following us at the fashion cover podcast and if you have any questions at all, feel free to email us at thefashioncoverpodcast at gmail.com. But for now, see you next week. Bye.